Hello, Typology Tribe. Ian Cron here, host of this show on which we explore the mystery of the human personality through the lens of the Enneagram. I am so excited for today's show. And uh, of course, every week I'm excited about my co-host and dear friend, producer, uh, and just generally good human being, Anthony Skinner, being on with us. Anthony, good morning. Hey, Ian, how are you doing today? Good. I feel like uh, two CNN talking heads. <laughs> Definitely. I know. This is uh, an interesting season that we find ourselves in. It is. And yet, regardless of the season, we have an amazing guest on today that I have been excited uh, about having on forever. Why don't you introduce our guest this morning? Yes, we've been talking about this for quite a while. Uh, Ian, you and I have. And today we get to have uh, my eldest child, my firstborn son, uh, Justice Skinner. Hey, oh. hello, Ian. <laughs> Justice, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm doing all right. It's early. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We're doing our show at 8 a.m. this morning, which is not a perfect hour for any of our ages, frankly, uh, not, not, not just for years. Um, one of the reasons I'm so excited about having you on is you are the youngest guest we have ever had on our show. Wow. Okay. That's, that's pretty awesome. I'll take it. That is amazing. Yeah. I'm excited. No pressure, but you are representing the, your entire demographic. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to tell folks about yourself, about your type, and, uh, maybe just a little bit about how you came to identify as your particular type? Mm, that's a great question. Um, so I'm a six on the Enneagram, uh, the loyalist. Uh, and I think I was about two, three years that probably kind of identified as it when you were. About three years ago, we took the test. Yeah. And Justice was clearly he clearly identified yeah. with the personality traits of the six. A couple of my other children, it was a little more of a question mark. And I know it's, it was young to even be doing a test like this. So we weren't, we weren't pushing it on them. We were just exploring it as a family. But he clearly identified. I mean, it was just no question for him. And, yeah. it, and he identified himself as the six. We didn't, that wasn't mom and dad, you know, pushing the number on him. No, like, no, there was no doubt. Like when I was, um, like, I definitely have always <laughs> had a lot of fear, <laughs> like was, um, just anxious in a lot of situations, uh, and definitely kind of took that, uh, role just like a family whatever with friends. So definitely when I got the six, it was like, Oh yeah, this is definitely me. Like I'll take that. Like there was no, like, I think I remember I uh, listened to an episode, uh, before and you were like, I'm a four, but like, I'm okay with like being something else or whatever. And I think even sixes were on, uh, or whatever, when you said that and they were like, Oh no, <laughs> like I'm, I'm definitely a six. Like there's, there's nothing else. Like I am, I, I'm a six. Like I, that's what I identify with or whatever. So yeah. You know, what's so interesting about sixes is, uh, uh, they're usually the last type during a workshop to figure out their number. Hmm. And uh, they're the only type usually that waits until they've heard every single number to determine theirs. In other words, they won't stop at five, go, oh, I'm definitely a five, 
they'll be like, no, I want to hear every number before I, uh, I identify. And I think that's partly they, because sixes have a lot of self-doubt and self-questions. And it's because uh, sixes uh, want to have all the information before they make a decision. And uh, so when someone comes up to me after a workshop and says, what number on the Enneagram has the most trouble figuring out their number on the Enneagram? And I always go, six, six, six. <laughs> I will say, as a parent, I mean, that's something that has really helped me knowing that Jess is self-identified as a six. Because, for instance, uh, right now he's been going through the whole process of looking at schools and universities. And he has crossed every T, dotted every I, you know, dusted every fingerprint, uh, read every book. And uh, whereas I might have felt the pressure to, uh, for him to make a decision, I knew I've known he needed to go through this process because he was a six. It really helped me go, okay, no, he needs to, to go through the full experience. So that's just one one small area, which is, I mean, it's not really small, but I mean, a, 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 one little example of how it's really helped uh, us even relationally and how, how it's helped us to parent him through a major process, you know, finding where you want to go to school. So um, really helpful knowing that he's a six there. No, and like, I definitely like, <laughs> like I, I seriously like called everything that I could, especially because um, I want to go into filmmaking or film production um that's a very kind of weird thing like it's just some colleges have like where you're finally touching a camera like junior year which is ridiculous so for two years you're doing film studies and then other it's like they'll do that freshman year but like it was just i called like every person i could like i talked to friends of every university or whatever like trying to get information and so i finally got that and then i was like oh i know everything <laughs> well again this is uh this is very much a feature of the of the six you're talking about going around to lots and lots of people asking them for their input because sixes typically uh have trouble with the uh what we call self-trust the ability to make their own decision. So they go out and they start polling people because they tend to see other people as having more, uh, or should I say, a better internal compass. But the problem is, is it ends up confusing the six even more because now they've got a chorus of voices all with different perspectives in their head. I don't know if that was your experience, but it's typical of the sixes. Um. Yeah, that's funny. Now it's adding voices to the one in your head. You're like, dang it. Like, now I'm uh, less from square one. Uh, but I think for me, it was more of, um, and uh, I kind of read your um, chapter recently in your book about sixes, and you were talking a lot about authority figures. Uh, and I was kind of thinking, it's like, I remember in the past, definitely, I would think I almost fell into a phobic six where I was like the authority figure, my teacher, like that was it. I was following that person. But like, I think I moved away from that fear a whole lot. Um, but definitely when I'm talking to someone in the university or whatever, like there's always a thing where it's like, I can't completely trust you. Like you're mm -hmm. still trying to get something from me or whatever. Like, and, and then I feel like 
that isn't super condemning. Like there's no other way that you can do that. Like you're like, you're, even if they're trying to be honest, like they still want you to come to the university or whatever. Um, so that's why I like to trust or go to people who are attending there because they'd be way more to just be kind of an honest thing. Like, yeah, the food sucks here. Or it's like, yeah, like the, <laughs> the tripods are not great or whatever. And getting more honest opinion in my head, that makes me feel better about mm-hmm. it. A lot of times, uh, sixes naturally believe that authority figures in particular have hidden agendas, right? And so they don't trust the authority figure. And also, you said something very important. You actually identify as a counterphobic six, okay? The truth of the matter is, is that there's no such thing as a pure counterphobic six, uh, and you just actually revealed it, right? Which is when you're talking to uh, admissions department people, you, you tend to lean into counterphobic six. This authority figure, I don't know. Of course, they want me to come here. Uh, they're kind of smooching me a little bit, you know, blah, blah, blah. I need to go talk to some people on the ground and get some more information from people who may have a more objective. So then you kind of go more toward phobic six and this is something i want to remind people that really sixes live on a continuum between count uh, phobic and counterphobic six and depending on the situation they're kind of moving around between the two i would say that if you're a counterphobic six what that means is you tend to spend more time over here than you do over here but it doesn't mean that you don't ever go over here and lean into the phobic side and I think that's so important for people to understand. Uh, that that's, that's a great part, point. That, that's part of the ambivalence that's natural to the six. Like, oh, I'm not sure what, how I should be. Now, have you made a decision yet about? Um, well, I mean, here's even more. <laughs> here's even more, like, here's even more insight. Like, I um. I was just kind of talking about it uh, with my parents and like, so I kind of decided Lipscomb, but I was like, I was like, I'm going to say I'm going to Lipscomb and I'm going to like give it a half a week or like, just let it kind of see how my body like kind of takes it or whatever, because this is, this will give you even more insight. Um, Like, okay. With being six, not even knowing it, but now definitely becoming aware of it. Um, like so much of kind of what your day is is run by that fear or that that fear is present or whatever and so it's like okay now i need a deal like where is this fear coming from what do i need to work from what is this fear telling me or whatever but there's you get so used to that when that when there's an absence of fear you're like what do i do like where is the like the next step in or whatever like well how do i get through this this maze now and there's been like this absence of feelings now with kind of colleges like I'm not feeling like towards one totally or whatever and so I'm just like I don't know like it feels like you're kind of had a torque like a guide or whatever through maze and that guy just left you uh and you're kind of like just kind of stuck there so I think so you're eventually, you're gonna have to pull a trigger true do it. hopefully not no okay <laughs> how are you how are you going to make the ultimate decision where it's like okay i'm gonna make my decision to go here um, um i don't totally know um 
I kind of said today would be the day. So, however, that ends up, I'm, I mean, I don't know. I, I've put a lot of thought into it. And of course, this is something where you're overthinking. Like, I say all of this, but at the same time, I've spent about 30 minutes, like three times in the last week, just really thinking, just being aware about the college and just like seeing how I feel about it. And I definitely think Lipscomb has the best, this kind of potential, like where I would just be able to be like me and just really accept myself there and really push me. So that I honestly said that and then also. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's okay. I, I guess maybe if I could, I would say, and I think sixes need to hear this. Uh, you, you know, you can make a decision and change your mind down the road. True. You could go for a semester and if you're, if you're like, didn't work, I didn't make the, the decision I made, turned out not to be the right one. Well, so what? What's to be afraid of? You could just decide, you know, I'm not going to go to Lipscomb, I'm going to transfer somewhere else and that'll be okay too. Yeah, I mean, we, it's, we haven't, um, I don't think we've really processed much since you felt like you kind of landed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's probably where some of your, some of your anxiety is right now, which yeah. is good. It's good that you're sharing this process. You know, mm-hmm. I, I appreciate you being uh, vulnerable right now, but uh, I think, I think just the fact that you kind of landed and then we haven't like sat down and processed some of what, what we're processing out loud now yeah. uh, is while you're still sort of hovering too and it'll help well and then also the other thing is like it's just it's gonna be there like it's not gonna leave at the same time so it's like a lot of that where i'm like trying to kind of eliminate that or whatever it's like oh that's right like this isn't i'm going to feel this way like even if i'm 100 sure like you're gonna have doubt regardless so it's that one of the things that i would say is a big big theme for justice and and that we have discussed quite a bit is this idea of don't feel the pressure of eliminating the fear you know this this thought that one day i'm going to be absent of fear everyone deals with fear sixes in particular it's amplified and deal with maybe more fears but the idea of of not trying to eliminate but to uh, acknowledge the fear and to understand what the fear is indicating. You know, the fear is telling you something about your heart and what you need and learning to move into the, the gift of, you know, not toxic fear, but the gift of fear that gives you uh, the gift of preparedness. And that's one of the things that I most, I love celebrating about Justice is he's the most prepared in our whole family, right? And uh, so just learning to even, we've talked about letting the fear blow through you, not trying to erase it or fight it or figure your way out of it, but let it blow through you, let it inform you of a need that you have, and then you can act upon that need. Now, if you find that it's toxic and it's the kind of that, that, that uh, just sort of unidentifiable anxiety that you talk about, Ian, that's obviously, you know, something you want to address and not like live under, but, um, but I I just I like that you even as we're processing out loud you circled around to you know what the the fear is not going to go away I need to make the decision anyway even after I make the decision I will still have experience that fear yeah. yeah this is so important and I want to tell people who are listening right now a lot of times and this is really sad uh, a lot of times 
when you have a young person, 17, 18 years old, and you're 35, you might be thinking right now, oh, this is somebody who, yeah, may have some interesting things to say, but because they're so young, it probably doesn't apply to me. Okay. I hope by now you've already realized that there is not a thing that justice has said yet that I've heard that is completely unique to someone his age. Okay. If you're 35, he's describing your life. So please don't check out because he's actually, because he's so young in his type, you're getting a, a lot of more accurate information than you would give me because he doesn't have all the stories, ongoing mental stories and psychological experiences and overlays that you have that make the uh, characteristics of your type uh, not as clear. So actually, he's giving you more clarity than most sixes would give me at 30. So you don't check out right now, okay? Mm-hmm. Just because. Justice is younger, okay? He actually has more to teach you than you can imagine in the next, uh, you know, 20 minutes or so. Justice, I want to go back to something that that you said uh, uh, a minute ago that I thought was was really uh, helpful. It was more of an observation. In your family, I know you have a one, you have a six, Mm -hmm. mom's a four, dad's a four. Who else do we have? Seven. 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 Okay. So we have, uh, you know, multiple types going around. You're the only one, I think, if I can remember this right, that's in the thinking triad. Is that right? Oh, the seven. Oh, you have two sevens. No, seven and a six. Seven, six, one, four, four. So here's what's so interesting. This is how yourself, this is where having a family that's aware of the Enneagram, you're modeling how great in a family system knowing the Enneagram is. Mm -hmm. Anthony, you just described how knowing justice was a six helped you know how to better parent him. He's not as, he's not as much as of a, a mystery to you, right? You have insight that you would not otherwise have. And justice, I'm assuming, you, by the way, you have information about yourself at your age that puts you so far ahead of the vast majority of your peers. Uh, because, for example, knowing, and I hope every six hears this, you can leverage anxiety into a gift. Yes. Uh, where it's like, I know I'm always going to be anxious. I'm not going to let anxiety rule my life. I'm going to integrate it into uh, my decision-making process, my way of ma- moving through the world, and not see it as a weakness, but actually use it to help me make decisions and do things in life. So, yes, I, like one of the things that I would like to add to that, like uh, we were talking about this a little bit ago, but um, justice transferred from private school to public school his sophomore year and it was a tough transition for all of our kids we appreciated that private education but we also wanted to kind of broaden their experience and um it was a tough it was a tough transition and i remember justice is not connecting having trouble connecting and 
I remember pulling up because he asked me if I, I would take him to the football game on Friday to, to drop him off at the football game. So I'm pulling up and, and I said, uh, who are you meeting here? You know, as I pulled up and he's like, no one. <laughs> and he gets out of the car and he's walking into the stadium. That's already the game's going. <sighs> you know, it was like, the, it's, it's totally rocking. The stadium's rocking. And I'm like, he's walking in alone. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe it. It's like, you know how, how the, the, the challenge of a child going in alone, a teen going in alone, but then also, you know, how other people can perceive you if you're alone. Oh, yeah. And I, so I was like, do you want me to go with you? You know, you want, you know, want to hang together? He's like, no. And I just, I remember driving away going, how is he doing this? And uh, it really helped me as I understood that he, he did lean more toward counterphobic six, that he was, he did have a fear, but he was really pressing into that fear and walking into that fear. And he, I just, I've seen him continue to do this. This is my encouragement to sixes because it really does, it is such a gift uh, to help you prepare for what you need to be prepared for. I just kept seeing him press into the fear and to let it serve him, you know, to, to take the gift that it was giving him. And he just, uh, he's in his senior year now and he just got Mr. Centennial High School, Mr. CHS. So it's like, uh, you could see him move from outsider to totally inside. And I think he maximized his sickness to help him. He leveraged his sickness, like you're saying, to get there. And I think that's all sixes can apply that to their life. So Justice, I know you're a great musician, uh, a great performer. Uh, tell me, <clears throat> how do you think there's a connection between your sickness and becoming Mr. CHS? Um, I think it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I think it was, all of it. I think it was my destiny in a way. Um, no. <laughs> um, I mean, this is encouragement for all sixes. I mean, I was completely terrified the entire time going through the process. And like, I was told by a friend, hey, you should do this or whatever. I was like, wait, heck yeah, I should. You know, like if you're singing, you know, do a little dance on stage, that would be awesome. But I was so scared. I was scared the entire way or whatever. Um, but just knowing that, like, just knowing, I mean, that that's temporary, um, but that also, you know, that's not going to be forever. And that, like, it, I'm enjoying this. And looking, I think a huge thing uh, with sixes is that uh, just, like, short-term memory loss. Or, like, not exactly that, but, like, because anxiety and fear can be so present uh, in your like just in everything i wanted to even talk about something like just kind of the fear of even the moment or whatever um that you can forget that three days ago or whatever when you were afraid about like what socks to put into like the laundry or whatever like was it gonna like lead into the clothes i obviously don't know how to do laundry um like you forget that you were super afraid of that moment and then now you're not even thinking about that and so like back there where you were like wanting to go up to that person and, and introduce yourself, not think about that where it turned out great or it turned out well, or if it, even if it didn't, you don't even remember about it. Um, so that's like a, a big thing, like kind of just knowing that I was like, okay, like I'm really afraid right now, but like this is going to be fun and this is going to be a really great memory to look back on. That's so good. Uh, it's true that sixes have sort of what we call success amnesia, which is why we tend uh, to recommend that sixes keep a journal of all the times that they experience tremendous fear, 
but chose not to have it run their lives. And it worked out okay, so that when they're faced with a new decision, they can go back to the journal and say, I've been here before and it worked out okay. Yeah, you know? and, and if I can say uh, two things kind of come to mind with this, and I'm, I'm not sure if this is every six, so I'm just kind of kind of speak about me. Um, but like, when you get set with that tremendous spirit again, and you're like, oh, great, 10th time today. Um, like, and then you kind of remember that thing or whatever, or like that success in the past. Two things are going to happen. Like one, um, something will click in your body or whatever, like, and you will feel like kind of a different feeling and that fear will kind of go away a little bit and you'll be washed over with the sensation of like, wait a second, I can do this. Like, you know, like this is good. Or the second thing is that it won't go away. Like you'll still be really anxious or whatever. And that's where you just kind of learn to develop that skill or whatever, where you're like, okay, this is just a feeling. Like I'm thinking like, yes, this fear is still here. Doesn't make what's on this page any less true. It just means like I can still do this and I've done this in the past and I'll be fine or whatever. So it's like, all right. So <laughs> I'm, feeling I'm like proud right now. <laughs> I mean, Anthony's tearing up, uh, you know, uh, because again, it's so interesting how when you speak to a, a person who's younger and knows their type, how much more clarity and wisdom they often have than somebody who's 40. Because you see, the 40-year-old has so many, uh, has so many, has so much more luggage they're carrying that can confuse their ability to identify their, their type uh, and to be able to talk about it with clarity, right? Uh, and so how do you think knowing the Enneagram has affected family relationships in general? Not just with dad, but just in general. Um, I would say with like a family, uh, and I think I'm just going to tie this in a little bit more as a six, like kind of just my experience with the family, uh, is that like, how do I exactly say this? Being kind of like a devil's advocate, like sixes, you have a lot of fear. And so sometimes you can be, um, like there can be a situation where you're out with the family or you're on a vacation of some sorts, or just kind of in general, where you're not totally sure about the situation at hand. Um, and, uh, so like, there might be like, you don't know when we're going to get there or if we have everything, uh, or does that person need to be checked on or something? Uh, and you kind of, uh, know that you would, you're afraid of what you saying this might do to affect someone or kind of affect the other family, you know, it might not be like, um, they might not be super accepting of it or whatever. Uh, and so you, a lot of times what a six can kind of do is that they ask a question kind of prompting, uh, that what they're really afraid of, because again, like you said, that kind of self doubt or they don't trust themselves to actually identify the situation uh, and don't um, trust themselves that they know what actually is wrong. Like there might be something wrong or it might be something needs to check out. So they'll ask a question that kind of prompts the other person to look into it. But that thing, your fear is still being communicated there and that you can trace it back to that. Uh, and what sucks is that that can, um, that person now, you, now, that person feels like the responsibility is kind of been shoved on them. 
Uh, so that can also be kind of a negative counterattack. So being aware of that, uh, especially in family situations, and then being able, you know what, this is my need, this is what I'm doing right now. Like, I'm going to speak to this can be hugely. So we're coming up toward the end, to, end of this conversation. And Justice, what I want to ask you is, how do you think knowing your Enneagram type has given you some kind of an advantage over your peers? Um, I would say yes. I don't want to say advantage because that sounds like it's like a competition or something. Um, but uh, an edge. Uh, it's given you a tool that if they had, their lives would be better lived. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, like just what I, I said before, like I'm just, I thoroughly am able to just kind of process my emotions and like difficulties. Um, just like I spend more time on it. And I think once, I think a big thing um, with any grammar, kind of any kind of thing with your own personality, whatever. Uh, and I think what's, I just kind of got lucky where I wanted to pour into it so early is that like, once you start to make breakthroughs, like it really does, you're like, okay, this is good. Like, wait a second. That was a lot of painful, but like, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like this is going to actually help me. Um, and I think that's a lot where, um, just like knowing what my goals are to be, knowing that if I'm super afraid that I can still pursue that, uh, what I want, uh, knowing that I might be really angry right now, but either I can like, that's fine that I'm angry. Like angry is not negative. Like it just means that I care about something, uh, and either to push into that or like I can take time for that to like kind of um wash off uh and then especially like i'm just able to talk about it like i'm just able to um i notice whenever i'm talking to people and just able to have empathy that's a huge one able uh, especially because sixes go to nines um when they are in growth like i'm able to just have so much care because i know for me like because i'm dealing with all these emotions just kind of all the time that i'm just like this is hard. Like, this is really hard to just do this stuff and to know, and I know what you're thinking and I know what you're feeling. And I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm sorry. I think this sucks, but uh, empathy and compassion. Definitely. Yeah. And of course that is a, a wonderful trait of nine. Sixes do go to the high side of nine when they're in a good space mm -hmm. uh, and where they become uh, very supportive. Um, that's their nature. They have empathy. They're able to see multiple points of view without making any judgments uh, as to whether those places that people are at are good or bad. Mm -hmm. uh, they um, are able to um, also encourage people with this, this uh, belief that, hey, relax, everything's going to be okay. You know, it, and, and that's a great gift that nines have when they're in a great space i mean sixes have when they're in a great space mm -hmm. and then another thing that i was going to say for a six is that also for sixes out there like watch when you're able to when you talk to someone else uh and you're like this definitely i think that that devil advocates can be such a tool when someone's telling like they're saying the worries and you're able to identify wait, wait a second that's not totally true like you gave it your 100 percent right there and like okay if you failed like that's fine like you still pushed for it because uh, I find for me, I'm way 
And it's way easier for me to look at someone else and be like, you're doing great. And then if I was looking at myself there, it was like, oh, I didn't get my 100% or like I failed right there or right. I woke up late for that or whatever. And be like, no, have compassion for yourself. Recognize that you can have compassion for others. So just as we preached the time when unfortunately we have to, to wrap up the show, even though I feel like you have so much more wisdom to bring to sixes of all freaking ages. In fact, I have interviewed a ton of sixes who have had less clarity, have uh, not applied the Enneagram to their lives with as much thoughtfulness and depth as, as you have. Um, what, piece of advice, and I think you've already given some, so if you could think of a, a fresh one, what piece of advice would you have to sixes of any age? Just one piece. Um, I think one piece of advice, um, I think they go hand in hand. Uh, and I think this is actually, this is something that I was thinking about, um, is that I think where sixes, they tie themselves so much to fear. Uh, and like fear, like you feel like you're almost driven by fear a lot, like especially in schedule making or whatever. Like, I mean, it can almost be in a way it's like, okay, what am I afraid I'm not going to do or I'm not going to be, and I'm going to schedule it out so that I am those things. But a big thing I think is to recognize is that when, especially when you're, here's the thing, especially when you're becoming aware of yourself being a six, you can be very hard on yourself for, oh my gosh, I let fear get the better of me or whatever. Um, that can be a hard thing to go through, but that there was a hundred of other motives or other feelings that were going into that decision that are even going on right now. Uh, and usually actually fear was not the strongest emotion or is not the like primary emotion there. It's an and and but fear takes so much precedence within a six um, that when it is noticed, uh, that's when your kind of defense mechanisms or everything kind of gets back up. It's like, oh, shoot, it, it's here now. Like, let's prepare for this or whatever. So to, to know that, like, what you're doing or whatever, being like, great, I lost a fear against it. It's like, now there's so much other stuff uh, going on uh, while doing that. Like, to, that's a lie that uh, you tell yourself. Great. So I love that, your ability to say, uh, well, a couple of things I think you're saying. Number one is, just because I'm having this thought, right? And fear is really more of a thinking thing than a feeling thing. You think the fear first, and then it turns into an experience in the body. Yeah. Rapid heart rate, adrenaline, all that stuff. What's interesting about shame and fear, okay? That when I learned it was sort of a real revelation for me. What people fear about fear is not actually the topic that's causing the fear. It's the experience of fear in their body. What they're really afraid of is the racing heart, the confusion. So it's actually the physical experience of fear that's more frightening than the thing that's causing the fear cognitively. Shame is the same way. We, I mean, how much do you like the feeling of shame? It's like, oh, it's like one of the worst feelings in the world. Mm -hmm. But it's actually what people are fear more than actually the source of the shame is the actual physical experience of shame. And that's what they're trying to avoid. Mm. 
when people are trying to get out of shame. Same thing with fear. It's like just the physical experience is so painful or uh, intimidating and frightening. It's like, uh, it's, if you remember that, it really helps because feelings are always changing. You can say to yourself, okay, I feel ashamed right now. I hate this feeling in my body, yeah. uh, but it ain't forever. Uh, I mean, if you have a panic attack, Justice, here's a personal question. Have you ever had a panic attack? Uh, I don't think so, but I, I feel almost positive that I've been like on the verge several times. Yeah. Like I'd at least held the amount of adrenaline that might be in a panic attack while not actually being in a panic attack. Okay, great. So I have talked a lot of people off the ledge of a panic attack, tons of them. As a therapist, I've been in the room, uh, I've sat on the floor with someone in the middle of, I mean, I've had to literally get out of my chair, get on the floor with that person and uh, walk them through the panic attack. And I just have to keep telling them, this can only last physiologically. This can only last for about three to five minutes before it's going to pass. So I'm going to just sit here with you. And what's really scaring you right now is the physical experience of anxiety. It's not actually the source of the anxiety. It's just the feeling of it. And if you can get distance from the feeling and, and look at it as though it's the problem. So in other words, to say to yourself, I am not the problem right here. The problem is the problem. And the problem is the feeling of fear that I'm having. And if I can get some distance from it and observe the fear and have compassion for the fear, it's actually eventually going to evaporate like a cloud mm. uh, and move on. And everything is going to get clear and okay. Anthony, what do you want to say to close us out? Yes, I'd love to say uh, that because we don't get a chance to, or I don't get a chance in this context uh, to say this, but I just can't imagine uh, having a family and having children and not having the tool of the Enneagram. I mean, it's been so helpful uh, to understand and distinguish the the needs of my children to, to go, you know, beyond the personality or the actions to meet the needs. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just want to really encourage all of our listeners uh, to think of, you know, the Enneagram as a tool uh, broader than just finding yourself uh, or, or finding integration for yourself, but uh, to really maximize it as a tool uh, for your uh, relationships and particularly with your family. Awesome. Well, you guys, thank you so much. Uh, this has been an awesome interview. I want to close uh, with just a few things I want everybody to know about. Uh, number one, I want everybody to know right now that I've been doing some work around the age at which the Enneagram can start to become a helpful tool with young people. And I want you to know uh, that uh, when you're working in psychology, spirituality, things like that, that your decisions uh, being a bunch of Enneagram teachers uh, that actually take a counterpoint view of this thing. I was taught early on that it was not a good idea, and in fact, it was a dangerous idea to try and type children before the age of, let's say, 17, 18, something like that. Um, I'm actually beginning to think you can do it earlier. Uh, and we'll talk about that maybe on a different episode. I want also you folks to know a couple of things. 
a lot of you don't know your type. Uh, one resource you can go to is my test, the IEQ-9. You can go to my website, Ian Morgan Cron, and take the IEQ-9. It gives such a robust up report and will really, really help you. And after you take it, I want you to make sure that you go to someone who really knows the Enneagram to help you verify the results. Secondly, we've got a whole new series out on uh, YouTube uh, called Enneagram and Stress. We released it uh, on Instagram and other platforms, but it's up on YouTube in case you missed it. It was a huge hit. Uh, we had hundreds of thousands of listens, and uh, we're really excited about this new thing called YouTube for the typology. <laughs> uh, and um, that brings me to my next point, which is it would be so helpful if you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Lots of you came over from Instagram to listen, uh, but you're going to be able to get stuff off our channel that you're not going to be able to get off of if you listen to it just on other platforms. So just take five seconds, go over to YouTube, punch in my name, up will come my channel, subscribe. Uh, we are, by the way, starting on April 27th, we are dropping a nine-part series called Enneagram and Parenting. These are going to be five or six-minute episodes only. I'm, I've learned from my audience to stop them being 10 minutes and go <laughs> five or six. Uh, so these are going to be five or six-minute episodes giving parents tips about how to parent in their type, okay? Uh, uh, we are also thinking in May that we're going to have a webinar-based program uh, where I take an hour and a half to two hours to talk about just one type to do a deep dive into one type what would be very helpful to me is if you would like to be part of that i want you to tell me what components or questions you would want answered about your type uh and you can do that by emailing i guess or what do you think e Anthony? yes e email would be the best how do they get to my email just let's just do wendy at ianmorgancron.com Wendy, W-E-N-D-Y, right, at ianmorgancron.com. Also, finally, <clears throat> check out my course, Enneagram Made Simple. If you go to my website, there's a red button in the corner. Enneagram Made Simple is like a six-hour overview of the Enneagram. It has a component about business. So for business people that want to use self-development money or personal development money, uh, you're able to tap into that because there's a lot about business. But it's not just about business, it's about the Enneagram in general. So please check that out. Anthony, Justice, thank you so much. And in the words of the great Oscar Wilde, everybody be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. See you next time. <laughs>